You're listening to Esports Business Network Podcast. Today's guest is Trevor Forrest. He is an experienced voiceover artist and e-gaming coach with 70 plus five-star reviews on Fiverr. Enjoy the show. Business Network Podcast. This is Trent Knox. I am your founder and CEO, and uh, I'm joined by Cameron Shelby, new to the podcast. And uh, introduce yourself, Cameron. Hey guys, my name's Cameron Shelby. Happy to be here. Cameron is coming on board to do um, co-host this podcast and also be our chief digital officer. Um, he's been helping out with the podcast images, video production, and a whole lot of different things. Um, but let's get to it. Without further ado, our guest is Trevor Forrest. He is the voice behind our introduction video. Um, I connected with him over on Fiverr. We're going to talk to him about his journey through esports, gaming, and becoming a voiceover artist, and all the things that he does creatively. Um, so let's let's get into it. Glad to be here. All right, man. So uh, my first question for you is, um, like, where did it all start? What planted the seed? Oh, are we talking uh, esports related? Are we talking yeah, voiceover? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say esports. We'll start with that because I'm sure esports is what started the voiceover, right? Or Actually, it is the other way around. Let's uh, hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I've been a gamer all my life, as long as I can remember or whatever. I've played on every... Uh, console system starting with uh, the Sega, I uh, played the Sonic and all that, but I've been gaming all my life. Um, and several years ago, um, I got into voice acting just as uh, something I could do creatively in my own time. Hmm. Um, not necessarily, necessarily for money at first, but just it's something fun to do because I like acting and stuff. I, I've acted before, but I don't have time to actually go out and audition for like movies and stuff anymore so I figured I can do voice acting in my time whenever I wanted so uh, at the time I was working um, at a pizza place I was working at Little Caesars it's probably about six or seven years ago and I saved up uh, <laughs> $13,000 to buy my own uh, my own studio recording booth and microphone and stuff and it was very a questionable decision uh, for my parents point of view uh my wow uh, grandparents because they had the sign i couldn't uh it w- i couldn't buy it all at once i had to obviously i had to get a loan or whatever and then pay it off month by month uh so my grandparents had to sign off on that one uh but i did that and i did just 
random stuff on a website called Casting Call Club, oh, cool. uh, which is yeah, very amateur voice acting stuff for personal projects everywhere, uh, mostly stories and cartoons and stuff. Um, but I did that for a couple of years and it was a lot of fun. Um, but then I took pro- probably about a year break and then I came back to it and uh, I had the idea of trying to make a little bit of money. So that's when I started Googling like different uh, websites where you can make money for doing voice acting and Fiverr was a pretty big one. Um, mm. So I joined Fiverr and I got a couple gigs and I just took off from there and I've just kind of been investing ever since for a couple of years now and doing that. And then just starting last year is kind of when it uh, leaped into esports because I figured I was doing something I loved and making a little bit of money off it. So I asked myself, what else do I love to do? And could I make any money off of it? So I put up a gig on Fiverr for Call of Duty coaching because I'm a huge Call of Duty fan. I've been playing that as long as I can remember as well. And I got some takers, the first few, thankfully, purchased the gig order. And I think I have a pretty good knack for teaching because I've been coached for actual sports as well before okay. uh, gaming. Um, so, so that's so you went from player to coach. What made you decide that like make that decision like you decided from uh being a competitive player to becoming a coach like what what triggered there to make make you go that route um honestly i couldn't i never had enough time to make it into any sort of pro professional competitive scene within call of duty um but i still played as a fan as a casual gamer as much as i could uh and i did I just love to, to teach and share what I love with other people who are willing to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I've coached um, soccer and tennis before for a variety of age groups. So I, I have a fairly good uh, knack for teaching. So I felt like teaching the game is going to be a lot um, more enjoyable for whoever I'm playing with or coaching. Um, and it's just that the competitive scene is it's really tough to break into. So it was just not really a viable option. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, I didn't know I had so much in common with you. Um, but anyway, let's take the time machine and go back to the origin story of your first game that you ever played. And when your first experience was with video games, you said a Sega, right? Sonic. Sega. yeah, that was definitely one of the first games. I don't, remember specifically what the first actual game was i know one of the first big games um was i remember abe's odyssey have you ever heard of that one mm, no i don't it's, think i played it it's it not a, like a triple a title or anything but <laughs> you play like some sort of alien-like creature trying to escape a like a prison or something it's mm. very strange but i just I, remember there's one feature you could make your character fart and that was the most hilarious oh, thing. okay i played a i played the demo of this game on the original playstation i remember this that yes. yeah that game was awesome man you could like mind control and it was just like a, a side scroller platform type of thing where you did little puzzles and stuff, but the farting aspect, that's going to stick with me forever. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so for our international audience, wh- where's your, where are your origins from? 
I am uh, born and raised and still living in Michigan, uh, about a hour and a half out of Detroit, a town mm -hmm. called Howell. Um, so that, I mean, I've, I've been here all my life, uh, so I haven't really done a whole lot of traveling besides from vacations here and there. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I, I relate to that a lot. I relate to your story of um, of getting into entrepreneurship because this is sort of a business podcast and you know, it's specific to esports, but I relate to that, man. My initial investment has always been sweat equity and building my own capital up to, to invest in cameras, microphones, computers, everything. Um, and I've had those same moments when I've had to get a get family to sign off on car loans, uh, uh, you know, uh, dorm dorm rooms, apartments, those sorts of things. And I really relate to that, man. I relate to the the hard work, and Cameron does as well. Cameron's been uh, doing doing different things. This is like also an opportunity for for Cameron to introduce himself uh, to a degree. But yeah, we've uh, we really I relate to that a lot. Um, so I'd like to hear a bit about like your you're getting also into shoutcasting as well, right? Uh, yeah, it's hard. Uh, at least in the Call of Duty scene, to get into shoutcasting. Um, if I was more knowledgeable about some other popular titles, I think it wouldn't be as hard, but um, you kind of have to be in the loop and know the right people to get those uh, kind of gigs for shoutcasting in Call of Duty. You have to know the professional teams. You have to know the producers and stuff um, yeah. within the scene. So it's, it's hard to break into that, but it's a work in progress. Yeah, um, I've done a little bit of shoutcasting, pro probably nowhere near on the level that you have, but um, I, the struggle of, of learning all the uh, the language and codes and code words that they use throughout games, are, it's a lot more intricate than people think, especially on a competitive level. So um, I can see, I can see why COD is taking up a lot of your time in that aspect. Um I had one good question for you because you, you mentioned you worked at Little Caesars mm -hmm. and you, you saved up how much? $13,000. Okay, so you saved up $13,000. Holy heck. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever had that much money just like sitting in one spot before. Maybe like <laughs> over a couple of years span had that, you know. But okay, so, so that alone was not enough to purchase your setup. That means that you you were kind of shooting for the stars there that that's cause that's a lot of money. You can get a pretty decent setup for $13,000. Yeah. Sound booths are way more expensive than I thought they were. Um, like the one I got, it's, it's decent, but there's, it's still probably on the lower end of like professional ranked, uh, stuff. Um, cause, uh, my, my sound booth is a, a whisper room. Um, that's like the brand and it's kind of like, um, Affordable and more affordable to uh, the public um, and people who don't know how to create their own studio. It comes in pre-built pieces and you just got to assemble it by yourself. But yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of, um, I, I don't know, it's, it's hard to remember exactly what my mindset was back then, but I wasn't spending a whole lot of money, so I was continually saving it and as I discovered voice acting and how much the equipment and stuff costs, I just 
thought I would invest in that. And so far, it's paid off. So far, in my um, experience through esports and meeting people thus far, it's, it seems like everyone's got that one moment in their life where they just get that spark and that they they get that idea of what they want and they just go for it. And so, you know, I think that's what makes the difference between successful and unsuccessful. You, for you, you decided that you wanted to do voice acting that that's just such a unique idea and goal that's that's crazy man yeah i wouldn't say it's like i've had some failed attempts along the way too like <laughs> it's i for i was on youtube a lot i started making content on youtube or call of duty mm-hmm. um back when there was a clans for call of duty that provided like montages and stuff on youtube i was very into that and i had my own team and stuff and uh i tried to make a living or not make a living but make some money uh through that route but that didn't really pan out very well because that there's no actual call of duty team that just makes montages that actually makes a sustainable living Uh, so i kind of find found that out the hard way um but then I also started to invest in um, uh, Machinima. Do you know what that is? Machinima. It, essentially, it's like a, a medium of storytelling where you use the game itself and you can voice over characters and you act mm-hmm. the characters out while you film in like the theater mode of the game, basically making a cartoon with the video game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to invest probably a couple thousand dollars at least into a, a machinima but then uh, life happened i had a kid and so that kind of did not pan out as well either oh wow so how mm. old is your child at the end like right now she is two years old oh man still young mm-hmm. mm. so Trent, did, what was yeah, your last know. position uh, are you still working full-time yes by day i work uh, about 45 hours um, a week as an office administrator. It's my technical title, but it's basically mm-hmm. data entry at a manufacturing plant. Very boring, but uh, pays the bills. How odd! This is such an odd thing. The life, w- the world is so, so uh, congruent in these ways. That's mm-hmm. actually similar to what Cameron does. Well, I mean, Cameron actually has done similar things to what he's you're, you're talking about. Um, he. You can tell your story, Cameron. It might as well. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, so you you said data entry for a manufacturing plant. Um, I've had two separate jobs that consisted of that exactly. I did. Uh, I worked at a payday loan title loan company, which is nothing but phone calls and data entering. Probably not the same concept, but similar. Um, and I work currently in a manufacturing plant, uh, Nissan. And I install sunroofs, so I can definitely relate to the boring lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's a grind. You know, that's a, that's something that people don't understand about this business. Is that, yeah, it sounds great. You know, it's a dream come true to do something you love and make a living while doing it. But there is a lot of sweat, equity involved, as Trent put. Yeah, man, I'm no by by no means successful, and I don't want the, this this show to be you know, um, just that. And I've talked with the guys that I'm working with now, Cameron and Jack and, um, explain like 
everybody that wants to do a podcast about esports is always talking about tier one organizations, big name sponsors, um, you know, people who are putting on big events and things like that. But that's not the truth of esports. Esports is in the middle. It's the tournaments that are online. It's the tournaments that are held up at your local land center. It's the tournaments that, that come by the inspiration of guys like you guys and myself that want to pursue esports and build it to be a bigger culture. And unfortunately, you know, there's some guys that um, have adulterated it by accepting foreign investors, accepting um, insidious investment, a lot of different things that come into it. And then it puts people in situations in which they can't make it a full-time career. But there's a lot of middle, and uh, that middle is where we can actually build a real foundation, a um, healthy ecosystem uh, for esports as a business rather than esports as just this entertainment um, industry. a lot of the functionalities and all the labor that goes into it, man. Um, I've been, you know, cranking wrenches. I've been mowing lawns for landscaping companies. Um, and I, I went to school for a, tr- a trade slash skill in video production. But uh, I can't say it's the most lucrative thing all the time, you know. Um, we're, you know, working uh, and having some consistency in your work work environment uh, is important. And I never advise anyone, um, especially in, in our, our introductory, uh, free, free ebook. And also with our, our eventually launching our course to just quit their day job and jump into this full, full fledged, um, you know, like a good inspiration is what Trevor has done. And he saved up capital to invest in his, in, in himself and build his company in doing voiceover art, art and, and, um, Trevor, you might want to get into like some, what are some of the projects you've done so far and what, what's, what are you most proud of? Oh, projects, uh, voiceover projects. There's such a range. Like you get all kinds of people. Um, I mean, you get your basic little ads for small stuff, um, comic book shops, or I had, oh. uh, one from somewhere in Europe where I just, say half the lines in a different language and that was kind of strange um so some of could them you, could you speak oh, that language i'm sorry no, not at all <laughs> okay we wow. had to like type out how to pronounce it and stuff and it took several takes back and forth um it was yeah some radio spot for like a festival somewhere in europe uh the locations were definitely not in english so that was a little <laughs> tricky um there's some you get your occasional explicit um <laughs> content um oh wow like like what if i can ask yeah <laughs> um so there was one uh project it was like a coming of age for uh a homosexual boy i don't know how to say it it was oh wow very like it was very strange for me to read from that perspective and just it was very graphic in some chapters and I just wow. had to take some breaks and kind of laugh about what I was doing at the time. Um, right. Then, yeah. So yeah. are these are these characters or are they full on audiobooks? Uh, I, about anything I said specifically, or just in general, or um, yeah, the last no, one I, I, the last one I was wondering. The last one that was a. Oh, I I don't think I asked him. It was a full on book. Um, interesting 10 or 11 chapters yeah um 
I've done several, um, I did a English book for um, students learning English where I did a lot of just pronouncing words. Cool. That one took a long time. Uh, gosh, man, I can only imagine so oh. much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets uh. very tedious and boring. Uh, but then there's also my most recurrent one is a, a medical company from India where I read medical scripts. Mm. Um, that's oh. kind of interesting. I get to learn a little bit, um, but it's nice. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's that's so that... off the top of my head. That's what I got. So like you, um, not only do you have to adapt to personally uncomfortable situations, you know, um, to, to get the jobs or to move forward and gain that experience, but you have to, or you have to learn on the go as well. It seems like. Yeah. From project to project, there's a learning curve. Um, some of them are pretty straightforward and easy. Those are most enjoyable. Um, but it's definitely fun to, learn different kind of random stuff that you would never expect to encounter before. Interesting. Now, do you, I've never really um, dove into the voice acting business. Um, do you typically do the same voice, like the same tone and everything? Or do you switch it up uh, in particular for whatever job you're doing? So I have um, a couple um, demos um, that are on my page. One's a commercial demo, uh, which displays my voice on a variety of example, like commercials and stuff you would hear, like on TV or the radio. And then there's a narration demo, where you would uh, hear a few examples of me, like narrating a book or something. Um, so there's slight differences in the way you would read a book versus the way you would advertise, like a TV or something. Uh, but for bigger changes in my voice, it's usually upon request. Um, right. There's also a section on Fiverr um, where people just post their projects and then uh, voice actors can send samples. So we would basically apply for those jobs. So there's mm -hmm. the ones by request and then there's the ones where we can apply. Right. So something you might know, might not know because I haven't, you know, we, this is actually the first time that we've ever talked with Trevor um, over the voice comms. Uh, I've been, I've spoken with you several different times over Discord and and uh, and over email and also over Fiverr chat. But one of the things that eSports Business Network is looking to do is kind of bring together those that um, this culture of creative people in the gaming and eSports world. Uh, from the different um, freelance websites like Fiverr, Legit, um, Freelancer, and bring them all on to an ecosystem in which they can uh, transact and, and have an open commerce uh, website. So that's something that we're developing, and I, I didn't really talk to you about it. But So what would be some of your goals when it comes to esports? Um, you talked about Call of Duty and and I asked you about shoutcasting. Um, do you see yourself? Is there a specific role you see in esports potentially? I see um, coaching as becoming a much more profitable um, career path in the future as more schools open up to esports. 
Uh, I know a lot of colleges are opening up to those and I've seen even the high schools opening up to those and wow. even a couple like middle school areas. Like it's crazy on LinkedIn, just seeing all these different educational um, entities just welcoming esports. So I think um, in the future that could very well be a path for me to teach at a high school or a college um, for a video game, which is, I never would have expected <laughs> like right. last even last year just saying those words but I think that's that's one of my um, goals is to pursue that if that still continues to grow within the education system yeah I got a qu- I, I got something for you and, and when you think about that do you do you see it institutions like universities uh, community colleges high schools middle schools do you see them um, specializing in specific esports uh like first person shooters battle royales mo- mobas um uh trading card um virtual cra- trading card games what what do you what do you see as their their avenue to um to esports and and do you think that they'll hire head uh, i guess is it going to be similar to um, having an athletic director, then they hire department coaches. How do you see the structure of it? Um, I can only say so much based on what I see, like on job recruitment sites um, and LinkedIn and stuff. But I, I think the titles are just going to be the most popular and most profitable. Um, so your League of Legends is one of the first esports a lot of uh, schools go to. Um, and then other big titles um, off the top of my head. Uh, shooters, there's Apex, which is pretty big. Uh, Valorant, if that's how you pronounce that correctly, that's huge. Um, but yeah, it's just the most profitable and most popular um, right. where they can get the most um, potential for a community um, that would actually make the esports program for the school a viable option. Um, in terms of jobs, I've only seen... Um, like coaching jobs, like head esports coach, which is a vague title. So it sounds like they're just trying to get someone who has a general knowledge of the industry that can Babysitter. set up a running system um, and babysitters, knows glorified, about glorified babysitters, uh, exactly. unfortunately. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm just going to be honest. I, I, I hate, I, you know, I talk to these head coaches that are high schools, universities, and they're all, they're always frustrated and complaining because the the administration hires them not knowing that you know you're not someone who's who's versed in a first person shooter like Call of Duty is not going to be versed as much in a um, in a game like Rocket League. Uh, it just takes completely different mechanics, totally different um, mindset. It's while someone can be casually good. At, uh, at Rocket League, they're not going to be performing in, at a competitive level if they're competitive at Rocket League or at uh, Call of Duty. You know, this it's just it's just kind of disrespectful in some ways the way that that the outside industries look at esports um, and, and couple it so much with casual gaming. When at a competitive level, they should be looking at it in the same way as like basketball, soccer, uh, football. I got a question for you. Uh, so what, how did you be, what was the drive uh, and motivation to pursue an additional stream of income 
through freelancing. Um, what was that mind, uh, entrepreneurial mindset that you had back behind that? Um, it probably comes from mindset that ultimately I would want to do the freelancing as a full-time thing. I want to do something that I love that pays for my bills and like it gets me by and I'm doing what I love. I don't need to be making like a huge profit or something, but you got to start somewhere and you can't, like you said earlier, you can't go all in on what you love and expect to do well in 99% of cases. So you got to have that stable job and then start doing what you love on the side as much as you can. So right. that, that's my mindset there. Man, I only say that because I'm, I'm the guy that did it the wrong way. Um, I'm the guy that, you know, piecemealed it part-time, but still was, was thinking about, um, how I'm going to make this, you know, music video on the weekend. And you know what, as, as someone who, who, who struggles like financially, um, and, and has gotten to a place at which there's some stability in the fact that I work with clients similar to you, but i you know, my stuff goes to them. So I charge quite a bit more, um, in, in, in that it's just, um, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's a, it's a lottery. It's a gamble. You know, you never know what the client is going to do. You can, you can only expect them to, to be as, um, appreciative of your, of your work as, as, as much as, you know, the worst opportunity, the worst case scenario. And then you can, you know, hopefully get the best case scenario out of it um, and, and go to the next kind of up um, level up in this sort of way and be able to start yeah. achieving, you know, um, more opportunity to, to diversify and maybe take on um, take on your passion as a full time opportunity that can sustain your lifestyle. For me, I'm not driving Bentleys. I'm not flying G5s, you know, I'm not wheeling, dealings, keeling, you know, like uh, Ric Flair in it, you know, like, uh, and even, you know, I, 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 I kind of, um, I appreciate that you're able to, you know, sustain, um, sustain a family and, um, and that's really cool. Um, I know we're probably running close on time, aren't we? I don't know how much time you have left, but. Fairly um, close. Yeah, we got about technically 10 more minutes according to the schedule but we can um, go over i mean if you guys have time no worries um i do have a couple questions for you um one in regards to what we were talking about earlier in terms of like the high schools and whatnot um from where i am in tennessee esports um in in terms of like schools and whatnot are only in colleges at this point and very few colleges at that um would you say that the the general uh, esports coach job is due to a lack of education um, that will eventually become uh, at the level that we need it to be at. Hmm. Um, in in other words, do you think that it's evolving, or do you think that this is just their way of pacifying those in need of this sort of um, source? No, I think it's evolving. I think it's not going to be an immediate thing. Um, it's definitely going to be a growth just as how esports has been in general. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if like an area like yours, if it's rarely in a few colleges and definitely not in high schools, but areas where, I mean, I grew up in a small town, but we still had like little 
Super Smash Bros tournaments in our high school um, every now and then. And I think it's just more of the general culture of where you are. And I think as time goes on, that culture is going to spread and become more normalized as more people do it and more people see that it's a legitimate thing and it's entertaining. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree as, as you know, as the whole stigma behind, you know, nerds and video games or, or outcasts or introverts and video games, as that stereotype kind of dissolves throughout time and technology takes over, I believe that, that you're correct. I think, I think we're eventually going to get to the point where this is a booming business and you will be able to um, be hired on as a more specific role, such as Call of Duty voice caster or Call of Duty coach. Esports Business Network. Experts in building your careers in esports. On the cutting edge of industry culture and technology. Built on a community of professionals. EBN, a leg up on the competition. So, how old are you? 26. 26. How ironic. We're all three 26 right now. <laughs> Interesting, huh? Okay, so are you, you have a child. Are you married? Or... I am. Okay, okay. So, how how has that been with the relationship and pursuing this sort of uh, uh, career? How, how does that affect your relationship? It hasn't had too much of an effect at first. Um, I say just after I got married and uh, we had to move into a little apartment at first. And so I had to disassemble my sound booth that was originally set up in my parents. And uh, my wife was a little or pretty hesitant about keeping the sound booth pieces. She didn't see that that could uh, serve any purpose and she didn't think I'd make any money off of that. Uh, but once we finally got into a house and I was able to set it up and she saw that I was able to make some um, fairly decent money on the side um, and there's no extra cost. So, cause I've already bought everything. Then she was on board. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Once the money started to come back in. Um, but then uh, I guess she's all uh, a little hesitant as well about as much as much time as it takes just to do the stuff that I love, my passions, just because I work most of the day and then I get to come home and basically eat dinner, spend an hour with my daughter, then she goes to bed, and then I come down here and I go back to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think everyone um, legitimately pursuing this type of career is, uh, has been through that or is going through that or will go through that. Um, and that's just, that's just a sign of devotion, you know, that, that's very interesting though. I think you're, I think you're fortunate to have one that accepts you, you know, and your goals and supports you. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I think having, uh, uh, having some sort of structure is 
you, you need that almost in every case. You need some sort of structure, whether it's friends or family. Because um, I, I feel that the general mindset of parents, at least when I was growing up, was that video games are going to do nothing for you. They're a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I grew up with that general mindset being pushed on me. But I, I mean, I love video games. And it's great to see as I'm getting older that it's becoming more and more of an option for income that actually makes sense. So it's awesome. Trevor, so it's interesting you have a foundation. Um, and as you talked about your wife now and your, your child and being responsible and having accountability, um, I definitely find that in a different sense. Um, I very entrepreneurial, like maybe even to the crazy point, which I just, I don't know. I just go and find whatever it is and try and get into it. You know, I'm, I'm real, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not average in that way. Yeah, I guess so. But in, in the way of like, I take advantage of the fact that, you know, my family, um, my mom, my dad, and P- and and my grandmother, they don't really support necessarily because it it's not it's not that they don't support, it's that they just don't care. They don't care about esports, they don't care about movies. They're just kind of just more about themselves in in that way is their family as my family is. I'm sh- a lot of people's family are, they just care about the things that they care about. So, you know, I do what I want and I go do what I want. And that's, I guess I'm fortunate in that way. And not everyone around the world has that opportunity. You know, we have an international audience. Um, and in India, you know, that's not something that's, um, that it's accept acceptable. Um, it's like culturally unacceptable and, and, you know, the youth get, get punished for having an entrepreneurial mindset. If they go, away if they if they um they stray too far away from the 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 desires and expectations that their their family has for them they'll you know something you know they they'll disown them or not um provide them the opportunity to go to college or do something like that and in in similar ways i feel like that culturally is the same with um american households but um in America, I guess we're a little bit more like self-centered in that way. And I feel like my family, you know, they're just not paying attention. Um, and, um, and you know, they'll support every once in a while, some, something. And of course that, you know, like any, uh, any, any other American family, if you hit a home run, they're hey, cheering and, you know, they're throwing a permit parade <laughs> there. Everybody's following you and going wherever you, wherever you're going. Right. Um, like Trevor said, you know, the support comes when the dollar signs come. <laughs> he did say that essentially, but similar. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is a fortune to be able to do that. And we all have that. Uh, I mean, Americans have that kind of in, in different ways, like the opportunity to have a supporting um, family like your wife and your, and your, and your child and Cameron and his girlfriend and, and me and just like myself, you know, 
not even <laughs> like uh and i enjoyed that 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 luxury um and you know i i've gotten the opportunity to 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 go to california and denver and different places and 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 experience esports at scale and and be able, and my my goal is to um listen to the stories of, of of folks who are passionate about getting into the industry and internationally and try and make their their situation work out for them um and i believe it's i believe it's it is absolutely possible no matter what your 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 lifestyle is to incorporate real esports physical esports into into your life um and a lot of us because of the situation right now with the pandemic are unfortunately um forced to to consume esports in in the virtual aspect and 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 not be able to be a part of the the true culture that is um the competitive gaming world um and getting you know your hands on some physical things like land centers or um, massive events like right. ESL, DreamHack, Overwatch League, but um, the passion. I hope everyone has a passion out there and still um, you know, pursues their passion. And 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 regardless of whoever says what, don't let that hold you back. Don't let yeah. you know. Don't, don't let go of your dinosaur, as they said in Step Brothers. Don't let go of your dinosaur. <laughs> That's what I always say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For those of you that haven't seen it. They grew up being, um, not to spoil anything, they grew up being adults, full-grown adults, acting like dinosaurs like they were whenever they were kids. And then his dad later on, after scolding him and telling him not to do that, said, don't let go of your dinosaur. And, and essentially saying, don't ever let go of that inner child. And I think that's something that all eSport entrepreneurs have in common. You know, we walking throughout throughout our lives we see you know these people just dreading you know working in factories and manufacturing plants and just dreading their lives and regretting the past 30 years that they've spent there you know not pursuing their dreams so i think that's something we all have in common and um i think we made the right decision i think esports are gonna take over the whole athletic genre in the future for sure i I wouldn't be surprised if esports became an Olympic event within our lifetime. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and you know, with COVID, I think it very, it very seriously put a spotlight, as like Trent was saying, it put a spotlight on esports, you know. Um, because athletics were forced to come to a halt, people were, like, thirsty for some sort of, you know, uh, a competition or something to watch. And so they, uh, I know the NHL specifically, uh, took the NHL 20 EA Sports game and just uh, simulated a, an entire playoff scenario and and streamed it online, and actually had the casts that would that would normally uh, like call the games and and whatnot stream stream live and and call it as if it were real life. And you know that that alone was just such a wake up call for a lot of people. And um, yeah, I think NASCAR did something similar, right? They yeah. had their drivers uh, playing the NASCAR title. Mm -hmm. I racing, I racing, mm -hmm. I believe. Yep. Yeah. So it's just crazy. Back to business. Um, so what? 
what was your marketing strategy and your and your sales strategy for um, acquiring customers um, on your freelance platforms? To start out, uh, it's just um, it was basically get on any um, free website that I could and apply to any job that I could. So that is just apply, apply, apply every day, okay. and then get some small jobs. And then once once your rating um, increases, um, I believe your gig um, becomes more visible. It shows up higher on the results page. Mm-hmm. So then it eventually turns into more uh, more buys, more orders for you. So right now I don't actively pursue jobs just because they come in consistently enough on their own, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty pretty nice and pretty fortunate. And it also helps um, specifically on the Call of Duty coaching aspect that there's not really, there's very little designated market for coaching jobs within video games. Mm-hmm. Um, you see like some websites here and there, um, but they aren't big websites, so no one knows to go to them. So mm-hmm. on Fiverr, it's a pretty small market. And so uh, I have some good ratings, so I'm pretty much at the top of the bar uh, on that site. So I'm glad I got in early on that. So I don't really have to do any marketing there either because they see um, the reviews there and they get to chat with me and it's it's pretty much good from there. Are you also published on Gamer Sensei? I have an account, but I haven't put anything up on there. I see. Um, so if you had any advice for someone who's starting out as a um, freelancer, what would be some of the strategies that they should implement in in um, voiceover art or coaching or um, shoutcasting? What would be some of your advice? For voiceover, I would say um, before you go to try to make any money, you want to do some amateur stuff um, for free on websites like uh, Casting Call Club. Club, like I mentioned, um, there's things called Backstage. Um, no, not Backstage. That's the professional one. Um, Buford Casting or something. There's a whole bunch of websites that will do amateur stuff because there's always people that want voiceover for free. So I would do a lot of that um, just to establish what it is to voice act so you mm-hmm. understand how to edit your audio properly, you know, get rid of all that extra noise, um, cut it together well, learn some effects, um, just to get the basics down and understand what your voice is. Um, and then you want to get some sort of demo together to show off your voice that you can do a variety of sounds um, so that people can listen to you without having to ask. They can just know what voice you are. Um, and then once you finally have that um, amateur base established where you know what you're doing, then I would apply to jobs just as much as you can on uh, a variety of uh, freelancer sites like uh, Fiverr, like Freelancer, Upwork. Just apply, apply, apply all that you can. Um, and I, I'd stay away from the pay-to-play ones until you start making a few uh, few dollars from the, the free ones. Um, so that, that's how you would start with uh, voice acting from my point of view. For coaching, I would say, uh, well, make sure you're coaching a game that you well you know well about. Because um, if you start coaching and you don't know what you're talking about, the guy's 
the, the player is going to know that you're just faking it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't BS your way as a coach in a video game because if someone's hiring you to teach you how to play, they likely know a decent amount about the game. They're just looking to improve their game. Mm-hmm. Um, so know what you're doing and then have a strategy on how to actually coach the player. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want to go in blind. You don't want to sound like you're not really sure what you're doing and kind of making it up along the way. Um, have an idea of what your process of coaching is. Um, it'll likely vary from game to game. I'm I'm not really sure how you would go about it on a different title. What I usually do is I um, let them play a couple matches while I watch them stream just so I get a sense of what kind of player they are, how they, um, what, what class setups they use, etc., then I start to go over and commentate as they play, and then I'll review it af- review matches after and give a more in-depth analysis. But basically just have a plan for what you're going to do when you coach. Um, and be humble. Uh, don't, don't be aggressive or um, like over, over-coach them, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Because you're, you're trying to help them learn. You want to be, be the nice teacher. You don't want to be the, the hard coach um, that's trying to make them into a perfect player or anything you just want to help them get better and help them enjoy the process right and so from your experience uh what are what is the desire of most of the players most of the players um they all just want to be a little bit better at the game they feel Mm -hmm. like they're not doing great at the game uh whether it's in a war zone mode or in a multiplayer setting they just don't feel like they're doing as well as they could they feel like they're dying a lot mm-hmm. um so they, they just want to improve their game usually their accuracy or just their movement or they're not really sure and that's that's where i come in to help uh mm-hmm. in any one of those things um so occasionally they'll ask how hard is it to get into like a competitive setting and i, I like to be pretty honest like it's you have to dedicate your all all the time that you have. If you want to be a competitive pro, you're going to have to play nonstop daily. Um, but, I mean, they're, they're just looking to improve on their game in general. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that's all of my questions. Um, Trent, you got any more? Yeah, I could keep going on and on, but um, I don't know how much <laughs> how much time you have. But I guess, like, I got a couple questions and we can wrap it up. So, with the coaching aspect and meeting these players, what kind of relationship are you establishing with the players? Are you leaving them with the opportunity to do a rebooking? Um, what does that look like? Um, I'd say I try to establish uh, the relationship to be as as friendly as possible because it's likely a very new situation for them um i mean i haven't done it myself but i can only imagine that if you're paying someone to teach you how to play a video game it might be a kind of insecure situation Mm -hmm. um just because that's not a normal thing that people do right now um so i just try to be as friendly as possible and throughout the whole process just remind them that this is just a learning process you're going to get better. You got to just practice like you do with everything else in life. You practice the certain things, you're going to get better at it. Um, and then at the end of the end of the day, I, I don't really offer them any rebookings or anything. Um, I, 
everyone's been satisfied with what they've learned and I don't think they really need much more after a certain session unless a new title comes out, which uh, I've gotten a couple inquiries about uh, rebooking at that point. But um, once they go through like one or two uh, orders, Se gigs, sessions. a certain number of hours play, yeah, exactly, a certain number of sessions, then they pretty much have the knack of uh, what the process is to analyze what they're doing wrong or something in a situation. And they can essentially coach themselves from there on out. Okay. And so with a player, what's the average age range? Probably, in the, I mean, I don't ask them specifically, so I don't know what their actual age range is. Um, I would guess in the 20s, um, but oh, I definitely really? have, um, uh, I've had a client who's booked a couple times who's in his early 50s. Oh, uh, interesting. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, he was, um, and he was well aware that he was going to be a little bit slower on the sticks, uh, but he was super willing to learn and practice, so he, he was a great client. Mm. Um, but yeah, mm. but generally, probably in the in their twenties. But did he mention his the the fifty year old? Did he mention his motivation behind it? He was unable to continue to work at his job due to an accident. So he wanted he invested his time into stuff that made him uh, feel happy, and that happened to be Call of Duty at that time. Mm. Um, mm. But he knew, like he had a a background in uh, policing, and mm. he so he liked the shooters, but he wasn't the best at the shooters. He started out not so good at all, but he just he wanted to get better at them because he knew he liked that kind of a game. Um, so then that's where he found me on Fiverr. That's so awesome, man! I'm I'm sure there's plenty of parents out there, or even grandparents that that could use your 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 skill. You know, um, it's people like you that are going to bridge that that gap into dissolving that stereotype that we talked about earlier that's that's amazing it's a positive work that you're doing there yeah as long as uh, someone has an open mind to a video game or something it's it's a great experience to get to know them and help them learn about uh something that they like to play so when when you're talking to the the younger players do they have i mean do they have any drive to play professionally or is it they're asking kind of casually what it's like um and if you if you've experienced that has anyone you see that's why i asked about rebooking is because how are you supposed to to um funnel them toward the right network in order to to become a professional if let's say they are you know from uh, a state or a country that esports isn't necessarily accept accessible so i mean i'd probably say 95 percent of the people that ask me to help them out are casual gamers and mm. sometimes i say maybe a third of them ask about what it would take to get into a professional uh, place and I let them know that the pros in Call of Duty um, and I give them uh, references to who they can watch and stuff but they play at least eight hours a day almost every day mm -hmm. um, and that and they did that when they were making no money as well they didn't 
they didn't just start that because they became a pro. They did that when they made no money. Mm -hmm. um, Nate Shot, who's the leader of uh, Hundred Thieves, he worked at McDonald's and put all his time, all his free time, into going to Call of Duty tournaments and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I let them know if they want to do it professionally that it's going to take it's going to take all the time that they have um, just to play constantly. Um, so there's no. <laughs> From from that point of view, there's not really any funneling into a professional scene from um, my interactions. Um, I did do some coaching for the first half of a, a season uh, for Mississippi State University for mm -hmm. their college Call of Duty League. Mm. Um, so that was definitely a step up on the competitive scale. Um, none of them were necessarily looking to go pro. Um, but mm. they were all much more competitive than your average gamer. You know, it was uh, nice to interact with a, a team, a uh, well-met team setting. Mm -hmm. um, but again, that they never funneled into a more uh, professional setting. I see. So, uh, yeah, and rebooking comes if they if they want my services, but it generally doesn't happen. So, would you? Would you even tell? Would you even advise a younger person or someone who's getting into or even is, is interested in coaching to to pursue the pursue it as like a full time career? Um, is it possible? Um, I know you have a full time opportunity now, so you have to make that a priority. But for someone who's you know has maybe a little less priorities, could they finan be financially stable? Uh, you know, utilizing these freelance websites, um, if they have, you know, if they don't have the credentials that would be necessarily make them, you know, a well-known player, um, do they need, what would someone, what does that ideal person look like? Um, do you think they are like a, someone who's pursuing, you know, um, a collegiate, um, organization or you know what what would it take did what do you think it would take to to make it a full-time opportunity um being a coach for, in esports oh for a coach but not like at a I tier just, one level but like at you know a freelance level a freelance level you just have to have a passion for the game itself and you have to have um i think a decent set of analytical skills just so you're able to break down what it is um, to someone who's trying to learn. So basically, if you're able to explain what you're doing, you're going to be able to teach what you're doing. Um, so that's, and I, I don't think you necessarily have to start within a game as well. I think I learned a lot of um, my coaching stuff just through um, traditional sports, um, through uh, soccer, which is a team-based, and then tennis, which is usually individually based um so i think i learned a lot through those routes so anything you can do to teach someone else something i don't even think it has to be sports honestly if you're good at teaching someone um say math or english or something if you're good at teaching you're going to be able to translate those skills into a game that you're passionate about um so whatever that thing is that you're able to teach someone you know do it uh, do it for um, for school or do it for sports or do it online with whoever needs help with anything. Um, awesome. So pra 
yeah, practice that teaching thing, and then that'll translate into um, whatever game you want to coach. I think there's a lot of people that will take advice for free, and there's definitely amateur team amateur teams that will pick you up for free. Um, and you can further develop your skills there and put that on your resume as you slowly climb the ladder. So I think it's a viable option for sure for any tier one freelancer. It's just going to take a, a different path than if you're going for a professional level. Yeah, um, I agree with, with that. And once you've mastered your skill, um, you know, like you were talking about, there are multiple different platforms to to put your name on the list of oper- and be in the marketplace and uh, and sell your services, market, advertise. You got to have a passion for it, a drive, all of those things. But um, Trevor, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. Um, we'll likely have you on as a return guest, of course, because you're one of the voices of EBN. Um, and yeah, do you have anything that you want to promote? Do you want to to talk about where you people can find you? Uh, yeah, it was great to talk with you guys. If anyone needs any voiceover services or any Call of Duty coaching, then you can find me on Fiverr. Uh, I believe my username there is T-R-V-T-E-C-H-Y, T-R-V-T-E-C-H-Y. Um, so that's where you can find me if you need either of those things. Can't wait to speak with you again and see how far you've uh, you've come. Awesome, thank you. Cool, this is Trent Knox and Cameron Shelby and uh, Trevor Forrest with the Esports Business Network podcast. Catch you guys on the next episode.